where intelligent dissident thought meets melodic euphonious reality i am your musically magnanimous host nick the saucy one cat source broadcasting to you as always from meth mountain tennessee and i also want to introduce my procussively proficient co-host calling in all the way from charm city maryland our pal odell see how bored i'm getting with the intro i'm all over the place (laughs) <laughs> Are you trying? <laughs> You're trying this different is my things. Second time saying it. <laughs> I hear I hear you bouncing around. You're like, let me try different voice inflections and. <laughs> yeah, I've got to change the intro. I got to get monster truck on here or something. D, tell everybody where they can find us online. Oh, I'm sorry. The beans to my cornbread is lurking back there too. The person who makes us sound oh so beautiful. D, the producer. That's right. That's okay that you forgot and flubbed up just a second because that gave me time to almost swallow my entire piece of Airheads candy I was chewing on. Um, <laughs> just saying. For the yes. record, I never flub up. That was totally conscious. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sure, sure. That. <laughs> Mhm, mhm. Keep telling yourself that. Anyway, um, we've only got some amazing big old shows. The Halloween show, I can't even. I just can't even. You're just gonna have to listen. Um, and you can hear us on musicalosmosis.com, which is the home of all sorts of things, not just podcasts. No, no, no. We have videos. We have some reviews. Or you can also listen to us on whatever, wherever you get your podcasts. We're on you so know, many platforms. The apples and the cast boxes. I think no, not cast box anymore. But and the, the apples Google. and the, the Google apples machine. And the the and Google the Play. Yes. That's the horrible thing about <laughs> screwing up on air because then you get disseminated into like 19 different platforms and mm-hmm. you can never yeah. scrub the internet of yourself. It's no. like there no, forever. You're done. The tentacles of like the internet are all over. The, it's like some <laughs> sick digital fucking octopus. Dude, it's yep. it's so crazy. We like um like my old band. We were we we had like a promoting uh, uh 
we were on like a small label in New York. So, uh, so we, they put our stuff out through CD baby and Apple iTunes. And one day I was just doing something and, um, uh, uh, Chris called me, uh, uh, Chris Dunn played guitar with us. He was like, dude, we're on YouTube. I'm like, what are you talking about? We're on YouTube. He was like, type in the fallen one and type in mercenary. And it, and our whole album's on. I was like, oh my gosh. I thought that was years ago. <laughs> I was like, the whole world is like, can hear this stuff. <laughs> he it's was like, crazy, I had no right? clue. We were, yeah, it's all out there. It's nuts. We had no clue it was out there. Could you For imagine years, if there were we smartphones when we were young, when we were in our 20s? Oh, my God. My, oh I wouldn't God. even be able to work today. My career. I life. wouldn't. Ha- yeah, I, w- I wouldn't have the job I, I have. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to do this nowadays. It was crazy. Things like oh. my little desktop alone. Yeah, sure. exactly. You know, one time I got into an argument at a traffic light with somebody, and they started screaming at me, and I'm being, you know, I'm just being irate. And they reached in their back pocket, and he pulled out a phone. And I was like, oh, crap, a phone. I was actually, I've had a gun pulled on me, and I was actually more afraid of someone pulling a phone on me. Because all you can do with a gun is shoot me. But a phone, you can ruin my life for years. All right. Um, We're having an opera singer on tonight, so please, I sent you a list. Kick us a few opera facts, because the listeners need to hear some of these things. (laughs) So, after an opera, and I didn't know this, it is appropriate to yell bravo for a man and brava for a woman. I've heard this, right? But if you want to cheer for two or more singers, you have to use the plural, which is bravi. Oh. But if the group is only women, you yell brave. And if that okay, gets any more complicated, exactly. Is somebody but standing there with flashcards to direct traffic here? Because that sounds like a lot. They should have somebody behind. They should have somebody on the side of the stage with, you know, with the big cards like. No, 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 mm-hmm, no, no, no. Mm-hmm, there, there it is. <laughs> That's a lot of work to listen to something. All right, what it else is. you have for us, Dee? It is well. You know, the old thing, it ain't over till the fat lady sings. Well, that actually is in reference to a thing. It's the buxom Broomhilda's 10-minute aria at the end of Wagner's Ring cycle opera. All of it, you know, oh, yeah. That's just, exactly. So that's a thing <laughs> that they did. And then a couple of sports guys it's, it's tried Wagner, to take it over. Though, it's Wagner. Oh, Wagner. Yeah. See, Stephanie already Wagner. knows all of this. We just sound like morons. Let's get Stephanie in here I, so I, she can chime in. Yeah, on yeah. We have, this, we have this other voice in the background. It's like, Wagner! Alright, that voice you hear back there is tonight's guest, who is one of the classiest people we've ever had on the show. An accomplished yeah. pianist, guitarist, and opera singer whose creative passion just shines through every performance. Let's welcome the multi-talented music vocal coach, Stephanie Williams. We've given you your due. You're officially in here now. Thank you. I'm so sorry. Oh, no, it's awesome. <laughs> Great to be here. Yeah, usually the guests are like, uh, okay, I'll just wait here. And then you do it. You know, they, they, they're they like afraid to talk. That's, like, no, that's awesome. Stephanie's <laughs> an opera oh. renegade. She's breaking all the rules. Yeah. I was like, it's Wagner, not Wagner. Okay. Well, and honestly, I should have totally known that, but I'm just like halfway. I'm like well, scrolling through and I'm like, oh, oh yeah, Wagner. And I'm like, wait a minute. He's got some more facts for us. So you could correct us musically and net plebeians here as she goes I, I went. I entered music school calling it Wagner. So oh, see, you know, there you go. Something very, you know. So anyway, sorry. So, so, so I'll be school to learn that tonight. You're good. I just always assumed that Wagner was spelled with a V. I don't know why. 
Animaniacs with Arnold. So one of my favorites back in the 1800s when Faust was not selling tickets, the producers started giving away tickets for the first three performances to people that didn't live in the same town and then said that they were sold out, which of course because we're all sheep, that made all the townspeople say, oh, the first three are sold out. I better get a ticket. And there you go. It was a hit. So P.T. Barnum. Wow. Such a P.T. Barnum. That's gangster right there, though. (laughs) I was like, dude, yeah. Yeah, that was Dude, that show is so sold out, man. You you need to check it out. Who knew opera (laughs) had such a gangster element? Hey, what else, Don't. Don't whistle at European operas because to a lot of them, that means boo. So you start whistling when you're in an opera house and they're going to be like, boy. Oh, I knew that because that that actually happens at sporting events, too, in in Europe. So, yeah, like if you ever watch, um, for example, if you watch Wimbledon or the French Open and there's a bad call, um, you'll hear people just start whistling like really loud. And when I was a little kid, I was like, what? what, you know, I was like, why are they whistling? I thought it was a bad call. And then come to find out that's the that's booing. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you yeah. Stephanie knows so much more about this stuff than I do. Maybe I should have put down one of those punk albums in the 90s and listened to something cultural. <laughs> Maybe. All right, what else you got for us, Dee? Uh, okay, so this one's definitely the most mysterious one that I heard. It was, um, so Mozart joined the Freemasons in 1784 and he wrote several cantatas for their ceremonies and in the magic flute he incorporated a lot of their ideals you know wisdom friendship nature and things like that and his librettist was also a former mason mozart himself died nine weeks after the opera's premiere and some say he was killed because it revealed the freemason's secrets Ooh, stephanie what do you think what, was it deep stated? Did the deep state get him? I think he just died because people died young back then. You're probably right. <laughs> Totally probably. sucked the romance out of that story. <laughs> That's it. All right, what else you got? Oh, my gosh. You got some uh, other opera yes, to kick? I do. So the shortest opera is seven minutes long. That's it. It's uh, the Kinda deliverance. Kind of like watching a Tyson fight. Right. It's the deliverance of Theseus. <laughs> Uh, from Darius Milhoud, and I thought that was the crazy. I, I seven minutes. Okay, I what man could not watch that? Like it's always that thing. Oh, men don't like opera. Well, every man could watch that. There go you go. Go to that one. <laughs> I agree. I so, still have some men that couldn't watch it. Yeah. Well, you know. So opera composers, just like politicians, would sometimes hire a group of people to cheer their works or boo the works of their rivals. This is called being deep state liberal operative. No. <laughs> 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 this, the deep state. Opera. This group was called uh, a clack, um, which means clapping and was common at uh, a lot of European performances. Sounds like the world's first crisis actors. It does. It absolutely does. That's what I, yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, hmm, deep state? Yeah, yeah, we're, yes. Um, Nothing new under the sun. Not, you know, no. if you say deep state one more time, somebody's going to be checking out this podcast. Where are you, red flag? Good. Deep state, deep state. Um, keep and, saying it. <laughs> And my probably my favorite fact, I think this is my favorite fact. This is the last one for tonight. Johann Sebastian Bach wrote a yes, mini yes. opera, a mini opera 
about coffee addiction. I knew you'd like that one, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> Stephanie, did you learn uh, anything tonight? Yes, I did. That was awesome. Those nice. <laughs> we are here to educate. We're informative, yeah. educational, and a bunch of nonsense. I think it's a healthy thing. Yeah, I feel like I, I'm no longer an expert. You guys are the expert now. You give oh, us no, way I too much credit. <laughs> as our classiest guests, you give us way too much credit. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So, yeah, you are our first off. I want to hear the coffee addiction. Oh, I, yes, thank you. I'm glad. This is a big moment for us. We've never had an opera singer on. We usually talk to punk rockers and metal musicians, and this is quite a change for us, and I have so much to talk to you about. So let me first off thank you for calling in tonight. Of course. Thank you for having me. All right, let's dig in here. Um, when I think of opera th- singers, I think that somebody that's really refined, classical background, you know, just kind of like on the piano from age five, just very well-trained I know your parents, I had read somewhere that they were singers and actors. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and what led you to pursuing opera? Because it seems like something the average person wouldn't go after. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. I, I grew up in Texas. Um, my parents actually met in college in the theater department in Chicago. Or nice. In a little yeah, and then they moved to Texas, and they actually kind of gave, they didn't pursue music or acting um, in their, their, I guess, like, adult lives. Okay. <laughs> and um, my, they actually both ended up returning to it later on. Um, my mom went back into acting, and my dad um, started a band. Uh, when I was a teenager still. And my first exposure to like stage singing, I was actually singing back up for his band when I was 16. It was like a 60s cover band. Wow. um, Who was the person who pursued it more? Was it your mom pushing your dad into it? Your dad pushing your mom into it? Or was it kind of equal? Well, they got divorced. (laughs) Oh, that's a weird twist. Okay. So my dad started the band like fresh out, like during the divorce. (laughs) <laughs> I there you go. Wanted to go back, you know. I know where this is. Yeah, and then my mom just—I mean, she's such—they're—they're they're both very talented, and um, yeah. So she she went back a few years later and did a lot of stage stuff. She does more stage stuff around the Chicago area and commercials. But I yeah, I joined my dad's band, and then when I went to college, I um thought oh, well, I'm gonna you know I, I thought I was gonna do like a grown-up you know degree in, in psychology or something and I was like well music is the only thing that I wouldn't I'd be jealous of everybody else if if I didn't do music forever I would just see other people singing and I'd be I'd have a problem with it so that's literally why I decided to major in music and so it was a little bit um, I guess uncouth I was behind a lot. So I wasn't the kid that had, um, I had a love of music from my parents, but I'm not the kid that had like all the training and, uh, so you, you didn't know, grow up going to cotillions or anything like that. No, not at all. No. Um, you know, so it was, <laughs> no, I grew up, you know, I, I was very, uh, pressured to play and be very good at basketball. <laughs> so that was like the, the <laughs> The deciding moment was like, am I going to do music or am I going to do um, uh, basketball in college? And 
because I couldn't do both because if you may, you know, you have to practice a lot in college. Yeah. So yeah. I'm going to say, I, yeah. I had, I had very minimal exposure to uh, classical music other than my grandpa always playing opera for me um, until I actually just became a voice major. There it and is. So, yeah. So it was just like, uh, you know, some people were mean to me and treated me like the noob because I was the noob, but um, I was very hard headed and I was like, no one's going to tell me I can't sing because I can sing. And so there you go. Let me back so there you go. real quick here. Was your grandfather like the fun, like no holds bar grandfather or was your grandfather very proper and refined and like, let's sit down like Felix Unger from the odd couple. Let's sit down and listen to some opera. No, no, no. My grandpa is, he's still around. Wow. Um, awesome. Yeah. And he is, he is, I praise better than Sinatra. Like he's a Chicago oh, wow. first generation Italian. So he's very like, yeah, it's just ingrained. Like love of music is ingrained. So he, he has to be tickled pink where you are today then. He, yeah, he does. And we, you know, it's, it's, uh, I, I, I just feel like, he he always talks about oh I should have gone after my dreams and stuff like that and he brings out these beautiful songs he wrote and he has oh wow okay stuff so but he did do it he just it was a different time and he also yeah. had a family you know so maybe it's um, time I'm to record like, something with him okay I know that's my dream is I want to fly him out to L A where I where I am because I have a lot of friends that do production and stuff and and get him to to record because he only has some recordings in a bathroom like like this is where he recorded it and now that's sinatra right there that is hardcore yeah. okay does he yeah he does he still sing wonderfully oh yeah awesome but it yeah it's i want him to record his stuff so but anyways yeah so studied music and i see and uh got my degree, did everything on time, and then started teaching almost right away. And I felt that that, uh, I felt because I had learned everything so fresh, it, it helped me become a very good teacher, you know, because I wasn't like, I wasn't assuming everybody knew everything, which is what I, I kind of ran into at school in regards to training, because it's, it's hard work. You what know. you do is so amazing to me. Let me ask you this. So opera is a very specialized field of music. Is it is it kind of difficult to break into because it's opera and there has to be so much talent and vocal training behind it? Or is there a very linear ABC line, direct line you follow, direct path you follow through classical training where it's like if you do A, B, and C, you will be an opera singer? Or is it kind of like getting into rock and roll where it's a million people chomping like piranhas to get ahead? Or is opera kind of easy to break into because it's so specialized? Um, no, it's, it's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy because, um, it's, well, first of all, to get to where you can really, uh, where you're, you're very, your voice is developed fully and everything is first of all, very expensive. Um, I mm. almost would at this point have been like, oh, I should have taken the money I, I spent in college and just taken from an individual teacher. So um, some people have it set up and they have like the ones that that know kind of what to expect or their parents went to college like they already know uh, what what to expect out of college and 
where to go from there. But um, unfortunately, a lot of the companies in the United States, um, even the the choruses are very old. Um, like I think the LA chorus, opera chorus, like you can't even get in unless there's a space, you know. And I might not be, I mean, this is what I have heard. I might not be completely right on that. But usually you're finding jobs if a space is created. Um, okay. And um, to be on a, on a big stage, like any of the big opera houses, like LA Opera or something like that, usually you're, you're asked to audition. Um, so it's getting to that place. And that usually happens from building a career in Europe. Um, so it's almost is that what you did? You build a career in Europe? I was about to, yeah, I was about to ask you no, that. I mean, how, how did you travel overseas to do that? No, I did. I didn't. I haven't done that. You know, I haven't. Like that's the thing is like I'm not necessarily. I don't sing L.A. opera, um, but I sing the the smaller opera companies um, right gotcha. now. But in the future, maybe you know that's in the future. I would probably. I, I still am considering doing that. But yeah, you build a career overseas. People kind of know because there's so many more opera houses per capita is the idea. Mm-hmm. And um, and then they kind of know you or you get like enough, like a big like re- re- resume or and, and repertoire. And, you know, and so it's you're easier to get, you get like an agent and that kind of stuff. But um, there's two really good, um, Los Angeles opera companies that are smaller that I, I've been a part of, which is uh, Pacific Opera Project and the industry. And um, they do, Pacific Opera Project does kind of like a, it's like a bright version of like, I guess like you would say like of every <laughs> opera, like it's very, and they do kind of like, they'll do one opera, but it'll be like set in Star Trek you know, times or whatever. It's pretty crazy. And and the industry does like a lot of modern opera and and new composers and stuff like that. And that's, you know, most singers nowadays that aren't necessarily, you know, at at the Met or LAO or anything like that, they do modern opera, which is kind of atonal and crazy. Um, And that's, you know, that's just how that works. But there's other jobs. I mean, there, you can teach, you could have education, um they they have like places from like opera houses will send a group of people to schools to sing and you know uh, the life right. of a singer is you have to be able to do a lot obviously you you're a musician so you know how that goes <laughs> like right. sure what are you gonna what do you want me to do <laughs> <laughs> if there's um if there is one person you could train under who who would it be Ooh. oh man you know I'm gonna like living say, living dead or dead or alive dead or alive Okay. Well, my my teacher that passed away that I had through college, her name was Carol Neblett, and I would just give anything to have another lesson from her. Um, wow. I, okay. She was considered a diva, right? This is a Chapman University. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She was a diva. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, she's she's an icon. Um, and I I also I know this sounds like it's not that great, but her teacher was a woman named Esther Andreas, who was um was just an amazing like vocal pedagogue and I actually have a book that Esther gave her that she gave me which is great it's like an old and I keep it and I would love to teach 
like learn from my teacher's teacher. I don't know. I think that would be great. Yeah, that um, would be Lily cool. Lehman, that would be cool. Lily Lehman and like Louisa Tetrazzini, they both wrote amazing books that I, I love. And um, right now I study with Vladimir Chernov, um, who he, he works at UCLA and also okay. he, he just regular lessons. And he's, he's, he's insane. He's awesome. So I'm lucky to have who I've been exposed to, I would say. As somebody who also plays, I know you do like guitar and you play in a synth pop band and you do a lot of different things on the other side of the spectrum. Are you someone who, since you are so well-versed, do you put more, like, let's say, cultural value on Beethoven than the Ramones? Or do you think all genre of musics have equal value to you creatively? Um, I think, no, I mean... Here's the thing, you know, opera was developed at the time because it was expanding the voice to sing over an entire symphony orchestra. That was, um, ah, you know, okay, great how, point. How far the voice could go, and some of the most amazing, beautiful, wonderful music was written. And that's why it's still relevant, you know, and it tells it tells a story. Um, but you know, the microphone that's the thing is like. To me, you can't really ignore like progress. No, no composer, even in in the classical days, ever did that. It's like if a new, I mean, while instruments are being invented, you know, then they were expanding the human voice. So for right. for a band like the Ramones or or anybody that that, I mean, it's just so it's like a snapshot of time. You know, I, I don't I don't think anything is is culturally irrelevant in regards to that i think but in that um, circle is it kind of like an attitude like ah well it's just rock and roll that's not real music no i don't agree with that and actually like you know rock and roll was what fed my love for music you know um just because of the emotional attachment i got right away and uh and and it spoke words that i wanted to say you know what I mean? So uh, it's different. Yeah, gotcha. Opera is a story and, and you can relate to certain characters or you can see, you know, a lot of it is tragic because like I said, people died a lot. <laughs> like uh-huh. it's, hidden here. it's hidden in our culture a little more now, but you know, there was no way to kind of look away from it back then. And, and, but no, I, I think it's all, it's all relevant. And I think any composer would, would incorporate like the new stuff. Um, I would have loved to see what, you know, like Bach would do with like a synthesizer, or, you know, <laughs> or like an electric guitar. It would have been mm-hmm. insane. Um, so I just think the like completely formulaic stuff, though, I don't I don't like, you know what I mean? Like the easy hits that bothers me. But, you know, gotcha, sometimes gotcha. I, mean, I get down to Jason Derulo. I like I can't stop <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So my hey, little bit hey. of the box, my, like, my is my perception? Jason. Jason's my guilty <laughs> Is my perception <laughs> skewed? Like, when I think of opera, like I said, I think very refined, like guys in top hats and monocles watching this. Are you an outlier where it's kind of like, hey, I kind of am very comfortable jumping between these worlds of rock and synth pop and opera? Or is that community very open to all types of music? And I'm just kind of looking it through this lens of what I've seen on TV. You're looking through the lens because, man, some of the most awesome people and cool and love music and listen are like the craziest, funnest people are, you know, into opera. Like there's like a awesome crazy. Yeah, you should, you should hang with us, man. Like, what's <laughs> now I want to. 
now that I've had an opera singer on the show, I want to hang with the opera crowd. That's something I've never done in my life. Odell, we've hung in a lot of crowds. We've never saw, we've never hung with the opera clique. Oh, no, so fun. no. And and there is a little bit of the glamour, like obviously, like you get to dress up, like what you know. There's not too many points in life anymore where we all get to dress up, you know. So you get to do that, but most of the time we're, you know, eating, drinking margaritas at whatever Mexican restaurant and having a good old time, you know. It's not like... <laughs> well, that is there amazing. you go. That's I mean, what I'm talking about. about. Anybody's fun. Sorry, you I cut yourself. You off pretty typical of of what someone in that community is it isn't all like kind of snobbish and everybody trying to like out virtuoso each other it is a very laid-back community is what you're saying yeah and i mean i've just noticed i mean i haven't that's the thing is like i haven't necessarily been involved in the biggest companies you know but i am kind of more of the crowd of just like the the working class musician if you will i'm just a working class opera singer (laughs) <laughs> blue collar opera singer uh, wow yeah it's you know i don't know you get you get a mix of all types like there obviously are people that are jerks or snobby or doesn't don't have any social skills you know that that's been right with that in almost anything but you know musicians are all they're they're pretty fun you know and it's like they're fun but then they get serious about their work and then they they're fun again and that's that's kind of what you experience. I, I mean, it's it's similar to what I experienced, you know, working with rock musicians, you know. So yeah, true. You know. I mean, if you think about it, you you get you get those cats and and women in 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 rock music that are a little, you know, you're like, okay, okay, calm it down. We're we're all right. playing the same club. <laughs> we're all here and we're drinking cheap beer and we're having a good time. So calm down right. the, the like, whole, you know. Like, yeah. I just feel like I'm getting like a true education from Stephanie because you are just repainting the reality. And it's funny how we're all in our boxes, right? Like I had this vision in my head of everybody in tuxedos like, oh, this Oreo is the greatest. Like, And it's not <laughs> that way. And there's these smaller companies. And I just love this idea of the blue collar opera singer. That is so accessible <laughs> to me. <laughs> or just a regular schmo like me from the punk world that like warms the coddles of my heart. Oh, that's so good. Oh yeah, no, I'm no, I'm not from any refined anything. Don't. Hog. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's the thing. Like you know, most of the punk, the punk singers though, or punk rockers. I feel so weird saying that. That I've even worked with are are highly educated and actually super. They're not cut-ups like they're very kind of proactive about what's going on in the world and like writing about it and they're angry about stuff i mean none of them have been idiots that i've worked with oh absolutely when you're on the fringes you have to know your shit because if you don't you'll just be marginalized out of existence and now and also nick can attest though we also have the you know you know in the punk rock world you also have the elitist too like oh they're they're not really punk they they're they're here and there. You're like really, you know. So yeah, I mean, it's a, it it hits all circles. I think when it comes you know, to I was how to a, a friend once, um, and he said, because uh, I'm like, I guess like considered in the hipster crowd or whatever. It's not even like a thing anymore. But this guy, he said, uh, hipsters hate music, and I thought that was so funny because you know <laughs> that you, you see them like sit back and like hate every single thing. Um, but I'm from Dallas, like, like, and man, like, 
I remember like Music. everybody was rocking out. Every band that came through Dallas was like, this is the greatest thing. Like you guys are awesome. And I thought everyone said that until I moved to LA and I'm like, man, no one dances to music. Like no one moves. Well, you are blowing my what... mind here. I'm just trying to imagine what an opera troll looks like. Well, who trolls what? opera pages? What does that look like? <laughs> you are, you are warping yes! my mind, Stephanie. No, like some people are just hateful. <laughs> Towards opera singers? That seems like well, the weirdest they, group to go after. I mean, well, sometimes like you get the person who doesn't have didn't have much of a career. Um, oh. Maybe didn't maybe maybe has all the know how, but but unfortunately wasn't gifted with a beautiful voice, and they they're a little bitter about it. And then they just make, they just rip people apart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. And then you're like, yep. man, sometimes they're funny. Like, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I'm like, well, you just, <laughs> yes, that is true, but. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you this, because you've got a couple other projects, and I could find some, um, I couldn't find any Mute Swans online, but oh. you did send me a link for Childlike Empress, and I really dug that. And I just saw somebody had posted something on your page from Fall Magic 2019. When you're on stage, solo, on the piano, does it amp up the stress level, the nerve level, than when you're kind of like in this collective entity playing in a band? Or is it more freeing because it's just you and a piano and you're just in that moment? That was actually not me. That was one of my students that was tagged. Oh, really? I thought that was... They had tagged you on your page. Oh, it's yeah, no, they, they, when my when my students sing, I get tagged a lot. Gotcha. <laughs> okay, sorry. but the question is still relevant. When you're performing solo and you're doing an operatic type of thing, is that something that's more nerve-wracking because there's just so much more of an expectation? Is it more freeing to kind of go do the synth-pop thing? Or are both things just kind of equally like, hey, I'm out here, I'm on stage, all eyes are on me, I need to perform? I mean, honestly, I... It's not nerve-wracking for me to sing anymore at all. It used to be. I used to have huge performance anxiety because I was, you know, put all this pressure on myself. Um, I am usually, if I'm on stage with an instrument, I'm more nervous about playing the instrument than I am about singing or singing well. So I prefer to have people play, but that, can all, that can't always happen, you know. So, right. Um, no, it's not. It's definitely not uh, so nerve-wracking anymore, but I'm always like, crap. Like, if I have to play guitar, <laughs> I'm going to mess up somewhere, and then I'm going to have to keep singing, and my fingers are going to shake, and oh, my God, no, <laughs> you know. Um, but other than that, like, it's fine. I've I've picked up – I've had to play bass this year, and um, that was a, a mind trip, just kind of think, thinking about – cut like rhythm over melody and um man but i i don't now i don't think about it so much at all you know i'm not the greatest instrumentalist but um i prefer to have the pros be the pros (laughs) (laughs) do you feel like you always have to be in both of these worlds that are very different and on in order to kind of challenge yourself creatively or do you ever see a time where you're like I'm full-time opera or I'm full-time synth pop, or do you think you're always going to have to have one foot in each creative world? I, you know, it's a huge pull on me. And that's such an interesting, 
Um, that's an interesting question. You know, I feel like I want to do an album, like one album and then maybe focus on opera. But I just, I, it's hard. I love, I love creating as well as singing, you know? So it's, man, it is something that's very difficult to decide. And, and, and sometimes I wonder if it's, if it's hindered me, um, you know, spinning so many plates all the time. Oh, I know that Phil. And I'm a guy who's always got like nine balls in the air, like always focused on a bunch of different things. And I've had to kind of put myself back because I was like, you know what? I could do these nine things. Okay. Or I could do one or two things very well. Let me kind of laser focus on just doing one or two things. But my heart is always being pulled in like all these different directions creatively. Right. And it comes down to like what job is paying at the most that I'm focused on the most, you know, um, and right now I do make a living by teaching lessons. So a lot of my um, time is, is done. I, I love reading like old like literature and like technique and, and all that kind of stuff. And I love like my students are doing very well and I love working with them. And, you know, so it's like that that's my focus. Um, but you have to, you know, in order for me to remain a good teacher, I have to keep my own voice in, in good shape. So. But yeah, it's just like, man, if, I, if someone ever was like, here, here's this job for singing, then I would, I think I would focus on that completely, you know, but as it is, like, if I get into a show, I just, you know, maneuver my schedule around it, my teaching schedule around it. And that's, you know, blue collar, my blue collar ways. Blue collar opera. I, well, I'm glad you brought up. I'm glad you brought up the vocal coaching, too, because you were a vocal coach on a film called Lost Transmissions. And I was wondering, like, to be a vocal coach on that, what is the difference between that and your everyday life of vocal coaching? Is there a difference in being on a movie set doing that? Like, what's the expectation there? Oh, it was so fun. Um, So so I did – there was singing going on, and I was working with um, Juno Temple, the actress, beforehand – the director and the writer of the movie, Catherine, uh, was actually one of my students. And so she, she wrote in, uh, her, her lead character is, is someone that sings. So I got to work with her and then, um, I went on set and I, it's more, um, I worked with Alexis Diodario. I don't know how to say her name. But it's more like I just I'm just just there for support. Really, it's really funny. It's like I'll warm them up and then I'm out. But like I helped like Alexandra kind of look like she was really singing into a mic. Like how does that look? Because it's you know people that don't don't know that that aren't used right. But they don't know how to to space themselves from the microphone or you know it's like you're playing a pop star so you have in your mind that the person's like squiggling all around and gotcha like that, and you're just kind of mm-hmm. like you know it's just there's so many things you know as uh you know as a musician that that people unless they experience it they just don't know you know so so that was just yeah that was really fun <laughs> But it was it was super easy. I was like, man, I should get more movie jobs. Um, but so I, yeah, it's, it's more challenging on the actual vocal coach thing you're doing full time every day. That's way more challenging than being on set, is what you're saying. 
Yes. And with your students, um, what is it like? What's the kind of hardest thing to overcome with them? Is it the shyness? Is it being able to have them commit 100% to kind of this creative endeavor? What's the hardest thing about teaching in that kind of environment? Every student is different. I think it's it's always a little bit hard at the beginning because um, people learn differently. And right. people are also singing is something that is so close to many people's hearts, you know? Um, and especially like I've, I've taught like a lot of instrumentalist turn singers and they think they're bad because they can't just produce exactly the sound that they want. Um, whereas if you're, if you're playing a guitar and you have your pedal and your little, you know, whatever you could change, you could get exactly the sound you want and singing is not like that. And, um, you have to, let them hear what their voice sounds like. And so it's building the trust to get them to that point. I was about to ask you that. Sorry, go on. Yeah. No, no, I was just going to ask my son. Um, he just took, he just joined the um, Baltimore, Baltimore boys choir. So he had his first practice on Saturday and now, and I was like, Oh, we're going to have, uh, you know, somebody that sings, on our radio show. So I was going to ask you, what, what advice would you give a 10 year old boy? And I, that was one of the things that his, his teacher told him was like, he was like, you have a really good voice. He's just, you know, be yourself in it, like be you in your voice and, you know, make sure your head is up high, you know, because when he was talking to him, you know, he sort of had his head down and his back was slow slumped oh. over, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a 10 year old kid. So he was like, no, yeah. straighten up, yeah. you know, and, you know, talk to me and, you know, and stuff like that. So, what advice would you give a, a, a young kid that's, you know, especially a boy? Because, you know, a lot of times, you know, with the, you know, oh, he's in a choir. Okay. Can we give know. him a shout out on air? Can we say his name? Who, Linus? Yeah. Yeah, Linus. Yeah, let's give Linus a yeah. shout out. Okay. Hey, Linus. Yeah, he... <laughs> that way, like 20 years from now, when we're old senile men, he can go back and listen to this. There you go. There you go. But yeah, so I mean, every Saturday morning, think, it's awesome. Yeah. I think that was very good advice to feel like yourself. I think that's a big deal, um, especially if you're learning new technique or studying. You don't want to feel like you're singing from someone else's body. You know, you want to feel right. And and just as you're learning, just remember. I mean, I say weird is good and pain is bad. <laughs> like okay, because it feels weird. That means you're trying something new. And maybe, gotcha. and, and, and you know, and but if something hurts, like quit it, like cut it out. Um, but yeah, Very if he could awesome. sing every day, you know, okay, that would be great. Just sing, sing every awesome. day, but it's more important to sing, kind of paying attention to what you're doing at small increments every day than than singing like one day for like. 10 hours of practice or whatever, you know, gotcha. it's better to kind of make it into more of something that you are put in your life, you know, it's like part of your life. It's like, Oh, I sing right now. Yay. So what wins today? Is it like pure grit talent or is it hard work? Like, can you remember that movie, Rudy, the kid who wanted to play football? Yes. And can you Rudy yourself into an opera company, even if you don't have the talent, or do you have to have that talent and just work out from that? Um, I think a lot of people, uh, I think a lot of people aren't necessarily, I guess, a 10 in talent. 
they could be a seven in talent and still do okay. Um, okay. But there is there is the the natural um, giftings that you some people just have and some don't, and it's all, unfortunately always been like that. Um, but if you love opera and you you know you're okay with you know just doing certain things, a lot of you know if if you love love to sing so much but you know you don't have the greatest voice like definitely learn piano learn how to sight read um because you know even singing in a chorus where a lot of times choirs don't necessarily have the people that felt like they could be a lead on the opera stage but they're amazing musicians and can sight read way better than me and they get paid a lot you know so um let me stop real quick sight read what's that mean so oh, that means when you look at music and you can just sing it. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> like a sheet music. <laughs> yeah, sheet music, yeah, yeah, yeah. Once again, for us plebeians out here. Um, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> so when you're teaching, do you feel like it's more fulfilling to teach uh, seven, as you said, who's just totally gung-ho? Or is it easier to kind of teach a 10 who's like, yeah, I don't need, I could kind of phone this in because I've got the talent behind me? The majority of my students, I mean, I do teach classical technique across the board to everyone, but I do, I am different in that the majority of my students don't sing opera. They do, they want it, they're, like, most of the adults are in their own bands, and and I have, like, a slew of, like, musical theater teenagers, which is good, because you don't necessarily want to start opera singing at a certain age. You're too young, and it's not really good for your voice. Um, Ooh. But they're, uh, I don't know, it's, I like teaching all, I'm very good at finding kind of, like, I love Bob Dylan, for instance, and obviously he's not, like, going to be walking across the stage singing opera, Um, but what he's, (laughs) he, he has his own voice, and so I'm very, that's kind of what I like to give to people, you know, in teaching, so I don't, even listen to voices in regards to like that's better than this one or this one's not. Ah, I got you. You know what I mean? I like listening yeah, to what yeah. the person, like what the person brings and then what they're wanting to do. And I help them with that, you know, because you, they're not having to project over, you know, a symphony orchestra on mic, you know, they're, they're wanting to sing this pop song well, or they're wanting to like, for, you know, scream or sound aggressive without jacking up their voice and you know so it's like um it's just uh, people are just so different i just love it so (laughs) let me back up here real quick when you talk about age what is a prime age to start opera and what should parents be looking for when they go hey maybe my kid doesn't you know he my he or she loves to sing but maybe they have a propensity for opera like, what are some of the traits that a parent could look for for our listeners out there? Um, I think good tone and good projection are, are good. Like, if they can actually, you know, stand in a room and kind of fill a room with their voice. Um, I think it's very important to be able to play, to, to understand music before you kind of go into it. Like, piano lessons are great. Um, I think The Tori 11, Amos do opera? Do you think that's a voice that could do opera, Tori Amos? I think she did it. I, I don't. She. Or I know I she was know. like trained I, I in it. I just know strange. I know strange little girl. 
<laughs> I don't know her voice well enough. She probably could. I mean, wow. she's kind of a beast, I think. Yeah, um, but, yeah. I mean, you have to tra- it takes a while to train it. But I would say just get basic, like, voice lessons, you know, and a, and a voice teacher working with younger voices that knows what they're doing. It'll probably be more classical musical theater, art songs, you know, to look at. And then even undergraduate, you don't sing that much opera. Like you sing um, classical music and, you know, which is, which is actually a different thing than opera. Like people that, you know, people that don't know anything about it would just think that it's opera. So, but yeah, if parents are wanting to put their kids, in, into music, if they love singing, then I, I think a, a good classical technique, you know, don't, you know, train with someone that was actually educated or at least under some type of apprenticeship over someone who really knows what they're doing. Cause there's a lot of kind of bogus voice teachers around right now that I'm like, yeah, I, I bet. you know, I just, I'm like, you can't teach, that's not teaching technique. You know what I mean? Like you're not helping this voice. You're maybe refining five notes in this person's voice, but like, that's not, that's not helpful, you know, and that's not going to help them artistically either. Like if you expand people's range and you expand their dynamics and the things that they can actually do physically, um, they're going to be way better singers. They're going to be able to write more things that they want to write. You know, they're going to understand like, Oh, this song is so much easier if I just like change this key, you know? So like, um, yeah, it's like it's it's important. It's important to kind of go get with a teacher that knows what they're doing. Fair yeah. enough. All right, let's end on a high note. All no right. pun intended. Um, tell us about the music program you're putting together at the Miraville Ten um, Ten Ten Teen. I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> teen Foster Home, and how our listeners can kind of get involved if they'd like to. Oh, I love it. Um, so yes, I work once a week with uh the foster care system um in LA. It, LA unfortunately is the worst city in Los Angeles or it was in Los uh, LA is the worst city in the United States in regards to foster kids in need of a home. So I go true, to one true. of the teen homes and I started giving them voice lessons and then they got donors um to give them uh, guitars and pianos or their their keyboards. And now we are looking to build an entire band and band room. Um, We have another teacher who's teaching them songwriting, and we're thinking about getting a drummer um, at drums and to teach drums. And so we want this, this to be kind of a positive outlet for these girls and something to okay. create you know because they they don't have anybody right now in their life <laughs> like you know so um they have each other so it's just and like, that could have such an impact work. on a young child yes it will yeah oh my gosh yes and they've i mean they've changed my life i i love them so much i mean i'm actually going through like a foster care like program right now because i might want to be a foster mom <laughs> It's like, we'll see. I mean, it's a lot to take. That's on, awesome. I mean, they're definitely worth it. Um, but yeah, they, they, their countenance changes when they sing. And it's a place for them to, to not only be in the spotlight, because some obviously it's shy and it's scary, but 
I let them all sing a song themselves after we've done the training and, and just looking at them, you know, and, and everyone sits and, and watches them and then claps. And I think it's, it's just a, a great gift that they get to share a song with us and that they get to be the center of attention as well. You know, they have to share everything right now. Um, so it's, it's pretty special. And, and the girls are getting awesome. I got to say. They are. They, those these girls could sing. Oh, <laughs> you that's great. Excited. That's awesome. Awesome. <laughs> well, we got to wrap this up. I want to thank you for calling in. I was expecting yeah, more so on the side of Mr. Holland's opus, but we're ending up more on the side of just like everyday people talking. And I <laughs> thank you Mr. for changing my perception because I was like, hey, I like I'm a little bit nervous. Like, how do I talk to an opera singer? They're gonna be like, get out of here with that bullshit. But <laughs> you're actually very down to earth, and you taught us a lot. And that's always Yay, a good thing, right? People are connecting. Thank yeah. you so much. I'm sorry I talked. I feel like I talked too much. I was like, good gracious. Like, I don't know. Like oh, no, this is great. There's no, no that was great. on a podcast. That's what we do. No. Anything that could that's... shut me up and, like, rein me in, you could ask D. If you weren't talking, I'd be going off about something I did when I was 10. For the next twenty, I'd be talking about like my. Like I like I like stories too, so I would have been fine with that. But. All right, I'll have to have you back, and we can swap a bunch of stories. But before mm. that, tell everybody we can find you online. What you have coming up? All right, you can find me at LosAngelesVoiceStudio.com, or my Instagram is don't make fun of me. It's called Stellar Jilt. It's S T E L L A R J I L T. You know, I created it before Instagram was that big, and I'm stuck with it now. But, um, <laughs> and what's coming up is um, obviously still more teaching. Um, and I am looking to record some more of my own things under Childlike Empress. Oh, and I have my SoundCloud. I got to drop that, right? Just yeah, another please. SoundCloud Childlike Empress. And Child you have like two Empress songs up there. How do we get more of that? Also, Childlike Empress, is that a reference to Never Ending Story? Of course it is. Okay, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I thought so. All right, yeah, give us the um, SoundCloud address. All right, hold on. Let me, I have to look it up. Look at me. You're going to have to edit this one out. <laughs> like <a> e- <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh okay it is soundcloud.com and it's stephanie-williams-114 right on well thank you so much once again i love an episode where i can learn something you have totally changed my description on the operatic community i don't think you're a bunch of stuffed shirts wearing monocles so thank you for making opera more accessible <laughs> to a little old punk rocker like me. The saucy one. The name you like so much. You there are you so go. saucy. I am. Right. <laughs> Thanks, Stephanie. Thanks so much. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you, guys. All right, thank we're going to play some oh, Childlike Empress and get out of here, and we'll be back in two weeks. Ready or see.
Bye.